Welcome to the Resilient Life Hacks podcast. Join host Liz Myers and her guests as they explore resiliency through the lens of personal stories. Tune in weekly for inspiration and doable life hacks to overcome adversity and thrive in life. The opinions, beliefs, and viewpoints expressed by guests of this show are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of Elizabeth or Resilient Life Hacks Ministries. Hello, welcome to the Resilient Life Hacks podcast, where we talk about how to win at life by building a stronger spirit, soul, and body. I am your host, Elizabeth Myers, and we are so glad to have you with us today. Thank you for listening and for watching. I am very excited about today's guest, Linda Olson. She's the author of Love Your Story. She's also a a TEDx speaker. She has a very powerful speech that she gives. She's also a story empowerment coach and the founder of Wealth Through Stories. She's known as the two-minute story whisperer. I love that. And she can help you find and create and hone your story down into two minutes. And she's going to share with us today about the power of our stories. So thank you for being on the show today, Linda. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm, it's a delight to be here. Yes. Yeah. So I, I did uh, listen to your, your TEDx speech, which was wonderful, by the way, but you have such a, a powerful story. Would you like to, to share a little more about that and about how that's transformed your life? Oh, absolutely. Yes. My story really goes back to when I was 14 years of age through a tractor accident on the farm. I grew up in Midwest Canada And uh, through that tractor accident, my precious two-year-old brother was killed. I was the one driving the tractor. So as you can only imagine, um, it was a long journey to healing. Mm -hmm. But when I look back, that day, that particular day changed my life forever. Oh, yeah. I can imagine. I mean, I can't really imagine. It's just, it's kind of an overwhelming, you know, I've, Obviously, I have eight kids, so I've had a bunch of two-year-olds over the years. And, uh, you know, one of my daughters right now is 14. So I just, you know, I'm engaging in your story from a mother's perspective, and it's just mm-hmm. really heartbreaking. How, how were you able to overcome such a difficult thing so early in life, too? Well, you know, it was very hard. Uh, it was my first month of high school, and I transitioned from a little country school of eight eight grades, 30 students, one room schoolhouse to high school when we were all bused into town. And uh, that transition alone was difficult enough. But then to add this tragedy Mm -hmm. on top of that, it's kind of like, wow, I mean, how do you keep going? And it really was. I mean, I so clearly remember the very next morning, my big strong dad came to my bedroom door and he said, you've got to get up we have to keep going. And I yeah. thought, why, why, why yeah. get up? I mean, what's there to get up for? Because mm-hmm. getting up meant facing fear around every corner, meant facing my guilt, facing my shame, facing everything that I would dread. Mm-hmm. And um, it literally was putting one foot in front of the other. I mean, just getting out of bed was probably the toughest thing I did that day mm-hmm. and for a long time. But it literally was just putting one foot in front of the other. And it's the same thing we have to do when uh, we're we're trying to move ahead from any crisis. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's always coming back to taking that first step 
and slowly just moving one foot in front of the other, asking God for that strength, that courage. Uh, I cried out to him for a long time, asking why, yeah. why? I didn't understand. And finally, one day he gave me the verses out of Isaiah. It says, my ways are higher than your ways, my thoughts higher than your thoughts. And I hung on to that. I thought, this side of heaven, it's very unlikely. I will actually have an answer to that question. But uh, I, I, can, I can trust you at this point, hanging on to that promise, just knowing um, that's what I need to do to go forward. Yeah, yeah, totally. I, just the whole concept of taking it like one baby step, you know, one day at a time, I think is so important when we're dealing with something huge and overwhelming like that, because when we try to look at the whole road, we have to walk ahead of us. You're right. We don't want to get out of bed, but it's just like, what's the next best right baby step? Just a, a tiny step. I often tell the story when I was in uh, basic training, you know, I'm like, I'd wake up. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to make it through breakfast. <laughs> That was my, my lofty goal. And then it's like, okay, I made it through breakfast. I'm going to, I'm going to last till lunch, you know? And, uh, but I made it through the whole summer that way. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, that's just, so for me too, you know, I, I dealt with a, a difficult situation with grief and, and I also blamed myself for it. Um, different situation, but the same kinds of questions for God and like, where are you in this? And I think sometimes we just have to come to that place where we're okay with the unanswered questions. And we know that he's got a really good plan that we are just too finite to understand. It's just too big. Like you said, we can't figure that out here. Did you have a lot of uh, community support or family support at this time? Or was it kind of something you had to work through, you know, on your own? Was it people didn't know how to help you or? That's a good, that's a good question. You know, it was a very small community. I mean, a community of about 500 people. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, word got around very quickly, yeah. people knew. And of course, that made it hard for me, because mm -hmm. I thought, how do, how do I face mm -hmm. not only my family, how do I face my whole community? And we had um, quite a number of, of relatives, close relatives there. And people were very supportive. Mm -hmm. I mean, very supportive. But the problem was they didn't understand grief. Yeah. And so when I say supportive, I mean, they would call, they would come down and they would bring uh, a dish of food. Of course, nobody was hungry, but, you know, they brought the food anyway. And it was just their way of showing support and love. The, the downside of it was because they didn't understand grief. They didn't know that what I needed so badly was just somebody to talk to, to cry with, mm -hmm. to pour out my story. And of course they were coming from the thinking that if, if we ask her anything about it or talk about it, it will trigger more pain and we don't want to mm -hmm. trigger more pain. Yeah. So they all withdrew. The hard part was I didn't have anybody that I could talk to about it. Mm -hmm. And, um, but they were supportive in, in their own way yeah. in terms of, you know, uh, uh, being there. Yes. That's really difficult. I, you know, I struggled with a similar thing. I lost my son in the second trimester and I mm -hmm. just, as a culture, we don't really know how to deal with that particular fla flavor of grief. Uh, but I just longed for somebody to say his name. You know, I, we had chosen the name Timothy Isaac Myers for him, which spells his initials spelled Tim, which we thought mm -hmm. was clever, but um you know, I just wanted to hear his name, but people wanted to avoid it because it's like, oh, I'm going to 
you know, make her cry. I'm like, but I, I want to talk about him. You know, I want to, to tell my story. Um, but I, you know, I can see it from other people's perspective too, of they, they want to do something, but they just don't know what, or don't know how I didn't know how until I experienced that myself. And now I feel better equipped to engage with people who are hurting, but I didn't until I felt that myself. Have, have you experienced that where you're better able to, to minister to other people who are grieving because you experienced that? Oh, absolutely. In fact, interestingly enough, my journey took me into um, graduate school mm -hmm. and to get my uh, master's in marriage and family therapy. So I was actually a, ther a marriage and family therapist for mm -hmm. 15 years in private practice. Uh, my husband is still in the field. Mm -hmm. And, and so, uh, yeah, there's no question in my mind that I, I learned to be much more compassionate. Um, I remember so clearly one of my professors as, um, he took me out for lunch one day and he knew about the accident and he too had gone through some severe losses. And he said, I, I said, when will this ever end? When will the pain ever end? And he said, you know, Grieving at the best of times takes a good two years when you don't repress the emotions. If you repress the emotions, it can take longer than that. Mm -hmm. And the problem with today's society is everyone is so busy, we don't have time to mm -hmm. grieve. And then because often when we begin that grieving process, it triggers more pain, more anger, more sadness. And and so we stop and stop going through that process. And the sad part is that is where so often we get stuck in our story mm -hmm. because we don't go through the process. And what I learned, regardless of how painful it is, whether it's talking to a friend, for me, what often worked was journaling. I would just journal my feelings every day and it was my way of pouring out my heart to go to god that's how i and, wound up writing a book it started as a journal <laughs> oh, there you go see there you go you know yes. exactly what i'm talking about yes and and so therefore as i was counseling because i had learned that process of grief and the importance of walking through it i was able to share that with mm -hmm. uh with many of my clients as well so how long did it take you to work through that? I imagine too, something that tragic happening younger would be maybe take longer because you have to deal with it with different levels of maturity, perhaps. Well, I don't know if it had to do with the age or not. It may have, <laughs> but for me, it was a very long journey. That was 15 years later when, um, when I went to graduate school. And as part of our training, because of the field it was, we were actually required to be a client right. and required a certain number of hours in, in counseling and so forth. And it was... Uh, I ended up with my counselor for two years as she walked me through that deep, deep pain and I was able to forgive myself. That was a big, big step. But I'll tell you what, um, for the most part, I have enjoyed life. I've had some fabulous career opportunities. I'm married, have two married daughters and five adorable grandchildren, and I wouldn't trade it for anything. But I'll tell you what, it was... 45 years later that God brought me 
to complete healing through a miraculous closure. And um, uh, I had a television host ask me once, why do you think it took that long? And I said, I don't know, maybe I'm just a slow learner. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but that just happened to be my, my journey. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Because I, I can see there's two things that you need to process and, you know, there's the grief of losing your little brother. And then there's also the guilt of you were there and had a part in that. And either one of those alone is huge, but to have both, I, you know, I can, Hey, you got all grace for taking, (laughs) needed to take a long time to work through those things. How, how was it that you, you got around to the place where you were free from feeling guilt over that situation? How, how were you able to forgive yourselves? I know a lot of people struggle with, well, other people can forgive me, but I can't forgive me for what, what happened or what I did. You know, and why that's, I don't think anybody's harder on ourselves than we are. Mm -hmm. And that was certainly the case for me. It was, it was an interesting experience. Uh, My counselor at one point when she knew I was ready, she, she actually walked me through in slow motion, that horrible, horrible day. And I sobbed from such depth. I didn't know if I was ever going to recover. And then she said, when the session was over, she said, I have a separate waiting room. I don't want you to drive home like this. She said, I want you to wait there till you're ready. And so I did. And as I sat there and finally calmed down, it was the still small voice that I know was the Holy Spirit. And he asked me several questions. He said, has God forgiven you? And I said, yes. And he said, have your parents forgiven you? And I said, I believe they have. Then he said, what keeps you from forgiving yourself? And I didn't have an answer. And then he said, He finally said, well, he actually said, are you bigger than God? And I thought, bigger than God? No way. No. And he said, then can you trust God to help you forgive yourself? And finally, as I grasped what that was, I got on my knees and with God as my witness, I said, God, please help me forgive myself. And when I got up, I didn't drive home that day. I felt like I flew home. There was yeah. such a huge emotional load that was lifted. And I thought that's the miraculous power of God. Mm-hmm. You know, he alone can do that. I mean, it's like, you know, it happened in an instant, mm-hmm. but in many respects, it wasn't an instant. It was 15 years. It yeah. happened for me mm-hmm. because it, you know, it was that whole process to prepare my heart for that moment. And I think that's a big part of it. As long as our heart is open to receive what God has, and as long as we want to move forward in our story, uh, he will help us. He's there and he will help us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we don't often think of it in those terms of if we're not forgiving ourselves, we're saying, you know, Jesus on the cross wasn't enough. We're, yeah, that we're minimizing that. That yeah, was but I, for me. I thought, yeah. what, what do you mean? Of course, I, you know, I'm not bigger mm-hmm. than God. Yeah. 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 That's uh, an interesting perspective. It really kind of opens our eyes to why are we not forgiving ourselves for things? Mm-hmm. So how did you get from, from that place of finding your own healing then to turning that into your ministry of helping others with their stories? Good question. You know, somehow when I came to complete healing, 
some, the idea of story was just new and fresh to me. I hadn't really thought about it. I mean, if somebody had asked me a few years prior to that, what's your story? I probably would have said, I don't think I have one. But when I came to complete healing, that whole idea of story, like I said, was just fresh and exciting for me. And I did some research and I thought, well, if story is so important, why aren't we all sharing our story every day? Mm -hmm. And uh, with doing the research, I discovered the top three reasons. One is most people don't think they have a story. Secondly, if they could come up with something, they really don't think others would want to hear our story. Mm -hmm. And thirdly, if they could come up with something, they have no idea how to, to share their story. Mm-hmm. And somehow I knew that was my new calling right then. Mm-hmm. I just knew it in my, in my heart. I knew. Yeah. It. Yes. Yeah. I can see like all three of those things being a challenge for me personally, but also for anybody I'm still, you know, I've been working at this for a few years now, but I'm still trying to figure out exactly how to package everything. It's hard when it's your own life to, pinpoint, you know, what, what are the key moments that, you know, how, if I'm going to make a storyboard out of my life, which, which pictures are going to go on there? How do you help people like narrow down, you know, if they have this big complicated story of, of pain or trial or triumph, how do, how do you get to draw out what it is that, that they need to speak about to minister to others? That's a good question. You know, um, I, I use a couple of different approaches. Uh, one of the things that <clears throat> often is most helpful is I actually have them draw these just on a piece of paper, these mountain peaks, you know, like an upside down V. Mm-hmm. And I said, I want you to name the mountain peak is the victory in your life. I want you to name uh, these mountain peaks as your major victories, the major, the biggest, some of the biggest victories you've had in your life. That could be something tangible like, oh, graduation, getting married, having a first child, you know, so forth. Or it may be more intangible, like the resolution of um, a relationship with your teenager, uh, with your spouse, with a coworker, you know, Mm -hmm. anything at all. But it's not necessarily what was a major victory to other family members or others what was the major victory for you? And then we break it down. Once they have the victory, then we look at what was the conflict that came up prior to that, excuse me. Uh, And and then we look at the conflict because uh, conflict is the major ingredient of story. And, And then we look at, as we trace that whole pattern, look at what was that turning point? What was the transition that took me from my major conflict to the victory? And that's uh, a great way to do that. I like how you say focus on the victories and then let's work backwards rather than focus on the trial. Yeah, most of the time, uh, and I did for a long time, look at focusing on the conflict. Well, who wants to look at the conflict in the trial and the hardest thing? But if we consider the victory, Mm -hmm. because that's a big part of our story is the resolution. Mm -hmm. So people think they have to, if they don't have a big story, then it's really not worth sharing. Mm -hmm. And I let them know that is not the case at all. That is not how I see story. I said, it's not how big your story is. 
it's how big the resolution is. It's, it could be, sometimes it's a small thing that we learn big lessons from. Mm -hmm. And that to me is more important is your big resolution. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. So when we think about life, you know, if we think about a a good life, it would, you know, be smooth and easy and no rough spots and things work out well. But like you said, that doesn't make a good story. Like if that was a movie, we wouldn't watch it. It would be boring. (laughs) It's it's the conflict and the striving and the ups and the downs that make a movie worth watching or a book worth reading, you know, if it's fiction. Um, and I, you know, I just see God as like this master storyteller. I mean, even just, you know, reading through the Bible, um, you know, that if we could bring that to life as it's actually written, it would make this amazing story, you know, just a huge miniseries. But um, I, yeah, I just think that if we can see the ups and downs in our life as a story, then we're better able to process those things or to understand the significance of those things, that it's not just conflict for the sake of conflict, but that it's taking us somewhere. Well, uh, yeah, thanks for bringing that up because to me, uh, it's about the purpose um, of our story. You know, Romans 8, 28 says, for all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. So it's not just, like you said, for the sake of something happening. It's what is the purpose in all of this? What can I learn from it? And perhaps there are lessons that I've learned that I can eventually share with others as long as I've gone through that growth process. Mm -hmm. So very, very important that there's always a purpose. There's always a purpose. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. I, that's kind of similar to, to how I share things is the purpose of overcoming adversity and being resilient is so that then you can go live your purpose. Cause as long as we're tripped up and caught up in our own pain and brokenness, we can't be out there doing the thing God created us to do, but we need to, like you said, push through that and, and come out the other side. When building a resilient life, the first step Liz coaches people to take is to spend time daily with God. When you seek God consistently, he will show you the best next step for your journey. If you'd like a peek at how Elizabeth connects with God regularly, download her free prayer guide and journal at elizabethmyers.me forward slash prayer guide. You can now have the same journal Elizabeth uses every day and make it your own. Can you share with the listeners the story that you told about the buffaloes and the cows and the storm? Oh, sure. I love that one. (laughs) Oh, yeah. It's uh, when I, uh, yes, absolutely. Well, uh, where I live in Southern California, just over the, the um, kind of a, it's a big hill. uh, There's some beautiful ranches. There are cattle ranches, horse ranches, and even a buffalo ranch. And what I learned is when a storm comes, um, Let's say the storm is coming from uh, from the right and um, or or from from the west. Cows will look up and they will run the same direction that the storm is taking them. And if you know anything about cows, they are not fast runners. <laughs> so therefore, they prolong the storm. Interestingly enough, buffalo, on the other hand, they will look up also sense the storm, look up and go the direction that the storm is coming, therefore get through it much more quickly. Mm. And I thought, you know, 
How similar is that in our life? For us, it's the emotional storms where often because we try to avoid the pain, we're actually prolonging it. Mm -hmm. Just like the cows running with the storm is actually prolonging it rather than saying, you know what? I know I'm going to get through this. I have to walk through my grief, my anger, my sadness, my loneliness, whatever it is. And I'm, I'm going to get through this and face it and move on. Yes. Yeah. I love that. That, that just has so many valuable lessons in there. It reminds me as you're, as you're sharing that now, I think of David and Goliath and the scriptures say he ran to the battle. You know, he, I mean, he's a little kid basically going against this giant, but he knows that God's got his back. Mm -hmm. And so he's not timidly going up. He runs forward to the battle line to meet the giant. And, um, you know, that's something I think of sometimes to kind of embolden me, give me courage when I'm trying to face down, you know, my own giant. I heard a pastor recently um, uh, talk about that a little bit. And he said, he said, the thing is, when David fought Goliath, it wasn't like the first time he had fought a giant. Maybe he didn't fight a giant like Goliath before, but prior to that, as a shepherd, you know, he killed the lion and um, what was it? The lion and the, and and the bear. bear. Yes, mm -hmm. the lion and the bear. When he was all by himself, nobody mm -hmm. was there to notice it, to support him, to cheer him on, anything. That was all. And that was all preparation so that he could fight the Goli fight Goliath mm -hmm. at this time. Yeah. And I thought, if we look and trace the victories that we've had in the past, it will give us the courage to know we can go through this too, whatever it is that we're mm -hmm. facing now. Yeah, I like that. That's that's very good. So to like to someone who is going through a hard time or maybe has overcome their hard time already, what would you recommend to them about uh, getting started trying to share their story? Is this something you need to wait until you're healed fully to attempt? Or is it is the process of discovering your story itself part of the healing journey? You know, one of the best things I, I truly encourage is to is to write down, write down what you've learned through this and continue to just keep your hands open, asking God, is there, are there other things that I can learn from this? What is the value of, you know, the incident, the event, whatever it was that happened? Are there relationships that I need to mend? Um, do I need to take the initiative? And that's always, I mean, we feel so vulnerable mm -hmm. and it's always hard because we don't know how the other person will respond. And sometimes they don't respond well and say, I want nothing to do with you. The thing is, as long as our heart is open and we've reached out and we keep our heart and our hands open, God will continue to show us. So no, I believe that that process is is part of the healing and we don't have to wait till because many people say well how do i know when i'm completely healed i mean yeah. and that is a hard thing but you know wherever you are in that healing process right now you know it's like what have i learned from it what could i share with others and is there more healing yeah. i had a um it was actually a chiropractor who was one of my mentors and he said, you know, it's kind of like an onion. He said, you know, you take it off layer by layer and mm -hmm. every layer has tears. 
Yeah. But eventually you get to the core. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, yeah, just consider yeah. that as part of your journey. And just know that as long as our hearts are open to receive healing, God will use that for his glory. And you'll be surprised how all of a sudden out of the blue, somebody comes in and just talks about their story and they're in deep pain. Mm -hmm. And at that point, you listen to their pain, tell them how sorry you are that they're going through this. And you may have opportunity to say, you know, could I take a minute and share a little bit about my story? Mm -hmm. And, and it's at that point, like in two minutes, don't make it long drawn out in two minutes or less, share your story. And um, at that point, when they recognize that you really do identify with their pain, mm -hmm. just like that, there will be a deeper bonding, a deeper trust, and uh, you will have supported them. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. I, I love how you said to ask God, you know, what can I learn from this? That was something that really helped me when I stopped asking. I realized that there was no answer to why for me, like you said, on this side of heaven. And then also to, to stop beating myself up about, oh, I should have done this or I wish I'd done that. But to just go, OK, this is what happened. I can't change it. What do I learn from this? You know, how, how do I move forward? Um, I definitely think that's a key and way to asking God to help us accept it, accept mm -hmm. it without answers. We all want answers. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, you know, there aren't any answers. Yeah. At some point I realized even if God gave me the answers I wanted, it wouldn't heal me. It wouldn't, you know, I'd still mm -hmm. be grieving the loss of my son. I would still be, it wouldn't fix anything. Um, I don't really want his answers. What I really want is him. And when I came to yeah. that awareness, then that helped me rest in the unanswered questions. That, oh, that I, I love that. Perfect. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, uh, knowing him, wanting him in a sense is, is the answer because it gives us the peace, mm -hmm. even though we may not have an exact answer to our question, mm -hmm. but it gives us the peace that we need to move on. Yeah. Yes. Well said. I, I like how you shared that, you know, a person at any point in their journey, you know, would be able to turn around and, and help somebody else. Wherever you are in, in your journey, you're a step or two ahead of somebody somewhere mm -hmm. out there. Um, and so I, what you were, what came to my mind when you were saying that is, you know, I'm a homeschool mom of eight kids. It's not like I know the full curriculum for eight different grades. I don't, <laughs> that doesn't fit in this brain, but, um, I just, my mantra is I stay one lesson ahead of my students as long as I'm, and I, I do enjoy teaching and I, I kind of have a knack for that anyway, but as long as I'm one lesson ahead of them, I can, I can teach whatever I need to teach them. Um, but I've then kind of applied that to writing and speaking and going, you know, I don't have it all figured out and I am far from perfect and life is still a mess in a lot of ways, but I'm, I'm a little step ahead for some people. And to those people, I can turn around and, and reach a hand. I kind of liken it to, you know, hiking up a, a steep trail or something. Our family likes to hike, but, you know, to turn around to somebody further down on the trail and say, Hey, you know, avoid that pitfall there or, or come up this way. It's easier if you take this path. Um, and I think anybody can do that with wherever you are in life, there's something that you have that would be valuable to somebody who's a few steps behind you on the trail. Mm, I love that analogy. And um, 
there is, there's always somebody we can help. And then it changes our perspective. So we're not just focused on our situation, Mm -hmm. but focused on how can I serve others? When we walk with that perspective, it'll Mm -hmm. be unbelievable what doors will open up. Yeah. That makes all the difference. Absolutely. So how, like, what, do you remember the first person that you helped find their story and, and share that? Or was it like a group of people? How did you get started? in what you're doing now? <laughs> That's a good question. You know, I, I don't really remember other than um, when I came, I, I clearly remember the first time on a, a, a stage, it was a, a women's event um, that I was asked, uh, I was one of three keynote speakers. And it was the first time I had shared my full story. And, uh, and then I got to do a workshop later on. And uh, many w- women were in tears as I, as I shared. It was the first time I was that vulnerable to share, you know, from my heart. And, and there were many that came up after and wanted to talk with me, um, wanted to connect with me in some way. So th- I, I kind of remember that more as a, as a group thing, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were probably people along the way, certainly, uh, well, I have to say, even prior to that, I had been, um, I think this speaking thing came after I, I wasn't even uh, counseling any longer. And I had been counseling for 15 years in private practice. So there were many people I helped on a one-on-one mm-hmm. um, as they came to situations that were just beyond what they could grasp. And, and so I would just briefly share my mm-hmm. story and it's like, all of a sudden things changed. They realized yeah. I fully understood because more than anything, people just want to be understood, mm-hmm. they want to be listened to. They want to be understood. And sometimes the greatest gift we can give anybody is just listening to their yeah. story. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. It was my counselor. In fact, that encouraged me initially to write a journal. I was really having a lot of ups and downs. And when I was depressed, I couldn't imagine what life was worth living for. And when I was okay, I was never high, but when I was okay, I was like, why was I so upset? It's not that bad. You know, we can go on. Um, And so she's told me to, when I was feeling okay, to write a letter to my depressed self. And that's actually what became my book eventually (laughs) was that letter. So, yeah. Okay. So this question is a little off topic, but I'm not even sure that it's a question, but I'm just thinking in the back of my mind, like, two marriage therapists who are married to each other. Like either you have like the world's best marriage ever, or you can like irritate each other with like psychoanalyzing one another or getting into too much psych talk or something, you know, I don't know. That's, that's interesting. It would be great to have your own marriage counselor right in your marriage, I guess. Well, you know what? Uh, there's the good and the bad of yeah, every side. I imagine. <laughs> But I'll tell you what a lot of people think. They say, oh, you must have the perfect marriage. You're both marriage counselors. And we continually say, no, we have to work at it just like everybody else. Yeah, I imagine that. But I would think that you could get through it a little quicker because you have more tools in your toolbox to how to manage things. Is what I'm thinking. I don't know. Maybe well, and and that that is probably uh, probably true in that, um, you know, one of us will have often the insight and some additional tools and so Mm -hmm. forth. The hard part is, 
especially if we're going through something related to someone else where we can have a little more objectivity. Yeah. But of yeah. course, when we're coming together, which doesn't happen often, but right. when it does, I just realize often I just I just need to step back, need some space, time to pray, time to, you know, mm -hmm. be quiet so I can get perspective on a situation. Yeah. And often come back in tears and apologize and mm -hmm. And then we're good. <laughs> my, my husband and I are like in opposite corners of the Myers-Briggs test, you know, personality types. So we come at everything from really different perspectives. But, you know, over time, we've discovered basically between the two of us, we have like most of the strengths covered. If we look at it that way, rather than we have all of the weaknesses, <laughs> you know, those mountain peaks, right? Uh, so between the two of, and we've learned, you know, what he's strong at and what I'm strong at. And so I've learned to kind of trust him in the, in the places where I'm not as good, but that's a strength of his, that even when it doesn't make sense coming at it from my perspective, I go, he's probably right. So I'm going <laughs> to, you know, go with it anyway. But that, that is helpful, though, to like understand those kinds of things and have those those tools in your pocket. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Yes. There were times when, oh, something would be triggered regarding the accident with my little brother and I, my husband would come home from work and I'm here in tears. And uh, he said, what's going on? And so I just shared with him and he said, you need to talk about it. Uh, mm -hmm. Old stories don't die. You know, yeah. you need to talk about it. And in talking about it, I was able to process it with him and, um, and, and come to healing, I think much more mm -hmm. quickly. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we listened to a sermon, uh, I think it was last year, but it, it talked about the tunnel of conflict and how you have to go through this tunnel of conflict. But at the end, there's greater intimacy in the relationship once you've worked through that, that there's bonding that takes place in that conflict. conflict. And I can see that now, too, as we were talking about, like our relationship with our Heavenly Father, as we go through conflict with him, mm -hmm. how that deepens our understanding of him, deepens our, our relationship and our, our emotional and spiritual bonds to him, that we, we've gone through that conflict together and that we've seen his hand at work in that. Mm, that's a good, that's a good way to look at it. Absolutely. Yes, it strengthens, mm -hmm. it strengthens the relationship as long as we're willing to walk through that process. And if we can just remember, you know, he's there to take our hand, to hold our hand. He says, as we draw closer to him, he draws closer to us. But that's still us reaching out our hand first, taking the initiative. Mm -hmm. He's done everything possible to make that possible for us to do that. Now it's our part to reach mm -hmm. out. Yes. Yeah. So I, I, the tagline I'm thinking of is be a buffalo in the strength of God. <laughs> yes. When the storm comes, be a buffalo. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've really enjoyed chatting with you. I wish we could talk longer, but can you tell us um, how the listeners can reach you or get a hold of you online where they can connect with you to learn more? Yes, absolutely. One thing is certainly my website, which is wealththroughstories.com. And um, what I've begun doing is uh, five-day challenges. They're, they're, they're fun um, uh, way to interact and to learn story in bite-sized pieces. And if you're interested in that, um, you know, I'm going to give you my email. It's Linda at Wealth through stories.com. And just let me know you're interested in learning about the five day challenges. And I'll let you know the next one coming up. Okay, great. Thank you. And um, you have a special gift for our listeners that you're gonna 
send them a copy of your book. That is so generous. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> yes. I will put that yes, link in the, oh, there it is. Yeah. It. Love, Love your, your story. story. Uh -huh. And uh, it, the subtitle is let God define your story to be the champion you were meant to be. Mm, I, I like believe that. that we are all called to be champions. Yes. And uh, Elizabeth will give you the link to that, mm -hmm. how you can get a free PDF copy of that. Yes. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. It's really been a joy talking to you. Thank you for your courage in working through your story and then being willing to share it and help others to share theirs and just the domino effects that that, ha that has. Thank you so much. Oh, you're very welcome. It, it truly has been a pleasure. Thank okay. you for the work that you do. Yeah. Thank you. You have been listening to Resilient Life Hacks with Liz Myers. The opinions, beliefs, and viewpoints expressed by the guests of this show are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of Elizabeth or Resilient Life Hacks Ministries. To learn more and download your free guide to Liz's top 20 Resilient Life Hacks, go to resilientlifehacks.com. Subscribe now so you never miss the life hacks you need to live the life you want.